0: Listening to the ACC Honors Podcast,
1: edited by me, Mars Medina. Now's the
0: time. Let's get nerdy. Let's get curious.
2: In my case, I'm a mixture of cultures that I find very interesting. My mother is Mexican. She had a Spanish father and a Mexican mother. My father is Colombian with a Brazilian father and a white American mother. So I identify as a Hispanic Latin American.
0: I identify as Latinx and Chicano. I love creating my own narrative of who I am and who the people around me are and rejecting the narrative that I have been taught that I am and that we are.
2: I'm from Miami Beach, Florida, and my mom's side is Cuban. We lived a lot with a lot of that culture. When we moved here, it was just us, so... We didn't really have that family around us, so I kind of became a naturalized Texan still. Got that uh, cubana side. Good morning,
3: Riverbats. Welcome to the Honors Spotlight Hispanic and Latinx Heritage Month edition. Today we are gonna be chatting with Dr. Gary Moreno, Director of El Centro here at ACC, and Dr. Vanessa Lazo, Department Chair of Foreign Languages. Interviewing our guests today are Honors Ambassadors, Nora, Jacob, and me, Amber. A big welcome to you both. We are very excited to hear from you.
0: We would like to start off with a bit of an icebreaker question. I'll start with you, Dr. Moreno. Who is a Hispanic or Latinx figure that inspires you and why?
4: Uh, you know, one of the people that I've admired for a long time is uh, Americo Paredes. And if you all are familiar with Americo Paredes, he wrote with his pistol in his hand uh, um, kind of a really important book for Chicano, history Chicano um, studies. And it's really one of the foundational texts. And so he taught here at UT for a lot of years, and and, um, his work I completely admired. He's a folklorist, he's um, a musician, somebody who is very talented. Uh, But when I got here to Austin, I think I realized that there was other people in the community that uh, are just as great. And there's actually a lot of ACC faculty and staff that I think have done a lot of great work. Uh, And so over the course of the last couple of years, I've really... Uh, began to admire some of them people like andres tijerina um he donated a collection of his books to to the center here but he's his story is just amazing just as amazing actually uh he he was around uh ut um around the time of of uh, Medico paredes and you know he was a former vietnam era war pilot um and so he went to ut on the gi bill and then he started studying history and you know the blowback that he faced in the 70s studying this subject i think was amazing to me um that that would have occurred even even at that point uh but he persevered and he wrote some great books he wrote uh let me see i have a couple here tejanos and tejanos and the mexican flag i think and then tejano empire which is his really uh kind of important work um but there's other people in the community i think uh marta cotera activist in the community, very well-regarded Chicana feminist. She was among the first Chicana feminist to publish her own work. Um, And the previous director of El Centro, I think Dr. Mariano Diaz Miranda, who started El Centro back in 1993, all of them to me now are like giants that I look up to and uh, that I know that I'm walking in their footstep every single day.
0: Yeah, that's really inspiring to be able to look up to someone and then also, you know, follow their lead and be doing the same stuff that they did that inspired you so much, Dr. Lazo. Same question: Who is a Hispanic or Latinx figure that inspires you, and why? Am I only
5: allowed to mention one? No. <laughs>
0: um, I'm going to start
5: with a very different tone, I guess, than um, Dr. Moreno. And it's very nice to meet you, Dr. Moreno, here in in Zoom. Um, I'm going to start with Edward James Olmos, um, an actor. He, I was, I grew up in Ecuador in South America. So when I saw Stand and Deliver, the film, I knew that I wanted to be an educator. I wanted to be just like Edward, um, James Olmos in that film and make sure that I made a difference and had an impact on people's lives in that way. There are wonderful educators that had a great impact on mine in Ecuador, South America. Um, and he's definitely one of the figures that I look up to. He also, I'm teaching an honors, um, contemporary film, um, one course, and we, um, talked about the film Selena as well. And he was one, he's the dad in the film, and he talks about what is it to be, um, you know, caught between this space of, being, you know, um, Mexican American in the United States and being looked at potentially as an other, but then trying to go back home to Mexico and being looked at as an other there. So I still find, even though he's not one of these, you know, political figures in my mind, he is. He has a lot to say and the roles that he takes on are powerful as well. I also wanted to mention Sandra Cisneros is another um, person that I look up to. I know that she's originally from the Chicago area, I believe, but she did spend some time in. Texas as well. And now currently is, um, she's still alive. (laughs) She is in San Miguel um, de Allende, as far as I know. So those are just two people that I can think of. And of course, you know, I can't, I have to mention my dad is another inspiring person because he was the first in his family to want to leave Ecuador for a college education. Um, He was very gifted at math and was told, you know, you need to apply to MIT because that's where one goes when one is gifted at math and wants to be an engineer. So he was the first in his entire family to pave the way for the rest of the lazos. So and he continues to be an incredible role model now that even though he's retired now in the United States, um, he is, you know, technically still an immigrant and I am the daughter of an immigrant. So
3: that's amazing and so inspiring. I can't believe it. And Jacob, do you want to move with the next question?
2: Sure can. First question is going to be, how do you uh, personally identify? And uh, we'll start start with uh, 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 Dr. Moreno.
4: Um, You know, I I personally identify as Chicano. Uh, I tell everybody that the term Chicano is a chosen identity. You kind of have to choose to be Chicano, to actually be Chicano. and, uh, it's a generational term. I know that, uh, you'll usually hear it with people like in the age range between 80 and 40. So I'm, I'm kind of at the end of that spectrum. So I've often tagged myself as the last Chicano. But, you know, I, I had, I had the privilege of, of really growing up in a community where that was prized and where that was really fostered. I grew up in East LA in the 1980s. And so a lot of the people who taught me, uh, in grade school and in high school, they had been active in the movement, you know, in the Chicano movement. And so that's, they imparted those values to me. And, you know, I have cousins who are, you know, just a few years younger than me, maybe in the thirties, and they would never identify as, as, Chicano. Uh, you know, but I think on a broader term, I'm also, I consider myself to be Latino, Mexico-Americano. Uh, those are usually the, the terms that I, that I really like to use for, for self-identifying.
2: Very cool. Yeah, I come from a small little town, and definitely, um, it was more like that—the Chicano—and it was with the, the older generation. My dad was pretty young in his generation, so it, like his older brother and like, uh, uncles and stuff—they're real prideful with that. And then uh, all my cousins, we kind of like strayed away from that. And uh, going to, Doctor, uh am uh, I'm, I'm terrible with names. One second, Lazo. Uh, let's get a. Uh, uh, how do you personally identify?
5: Dr. Lazo was perfect, um, <laughs> or Lazo, um, if Lazo. you know, if do- Doctora Lazo is how my students um, will sometimes call me. If not, Vanessa's fine. Um, Doctora gonna... sí, muy bien. <laughs> Gracias. <laughs> De nada. Um, I'm going to say that I have shifted in terms of of what I call myself. Um, I do have two teenagers. One just started. Um, um, her first year in college, and the second one is a junior at Westwood High locally. Um, but I did, as I mentioned, I came from Ecuador, so I didn't have to define myself in that way until I came to college. When you're being asked, well, what are you? Um, where are you from? Who are you? What do you represent? Um, I went to Amherst College, a liberal arts college in Massachusetts. Even though I was born in um, In Boston, I did. I was raised in Ecuador. So back then in 19, I'm giving away my age, 1989, when I started uh, my bachelor's degree, I call myself Latina. Um, and very proudly, I was like, I'm I'm Latina, I'm from Latin America, it means that I was actually, I was born, I was kind of in the in a weird definition of the term, I was born in the United States, but I was raised in a Spanish speaking country, and I came to the United States. So where does that place me? Um, then, of course, over the years, when you have to check boxes, I checked Hispanic, then um, more currently with my teenagers in the United States with my 16 year old born as female is trans and i now prefer to not have that identifier of latina necessarily on the back so i go with latin x but i will if you know given the option i actually still have to think do i want to check hispanic or do i want to check latin x so to honor my kid i will most often choose the latin x and i also tend to teach with this i think we're i'm going off on a tangent but it's not in a textbook when you're learning Spanish, but I will add these non-binary options to our spoken Spanish in the classroom in Zoom. I'll say these are some of the current uses that one can use if one does not want to have to choose either the feminine or masculine endings. So for that purpose, I'll say Latinx. I know that was a little long and involved, but <laughs> no, not at all. That
2: makes sense. Um, I'm learning uh, Latin right now, and uh, there are those neutered declensions, and that's some, that's definitely an option.
4: Yeah, I don't. I don't think it was an option, uh, Doctor Lasso. I I actually think uh, you know we have to talk about those gender-neutral identifiers. They're really, really important, and I actually like what's coming out of Argentina. You know, they they replace the X with an E, so then it becomes Latin. You know, I think that that's also another option, especially for those who grow up in like Latin America and may be a little bit uncomfortable with you using the term Latinx.
5: And I do tell them, I do tell my students that, you know, this is already kind of built into our language because some of our adjectives are gender neutral. So then that's how it has been so easy for our language to be able to adapt to that neutral e ending. So, in, for instance, um, I can say, yo soy inteligente. O interesante, and those E endings don't identify a specific, you know, feminine or masculine form. So then that's all we do if we want to change something into that gender neutral is add the E to the ending, as Dr. Moreno mentioned. And we're doing that as well with um with the pronouns that were presented with third person singular. I know Jacob here is a is a student of languages. So you have in the third person singular, you have the L, A, Y, A. And then the usted form. So then we also add in that a right? So if you want to add in that gender neutral option for students. So, and they see me stumble sometimes because I'm not used to using it necessarily, but students are very forgiving.
0: (laughs) I just want to say that's really cool. I mean, I took Spanish in like middle school and stuff, and like definitely none of this is around. And I think it's really cool that that's being incorporated into classes now. I had no idea about that. So I just want to say thank you.
5: And again, if I can go off on yet another little tangent, I do have uh, one of our professors in the foreign language department, we do offer 10 languages. One of our professors, I call him our romance language specialist, Todd Phillips, Professor Phillips. He teaches French, Italian, and Spanish, and he is going to be going on sabbatical in 2023 to study current language trends and gender neutral options in France, Italy, and Spain. So I'm looking forward to his report.
3: <laughs> That's amazing. Mm-hmm. Well, with that in mind, Dr. Lazo, what does your heritage mean to you?
5: That is such a powerful question. <laughs> um I was thinking about this briefly. I have to admit that I did not spend too much time looking at the questions, even though I asked about it, because I love the answer of, well, we don't want this to seem too canned, a response. But I also know that, you know, sometimes people get a little nervous, depending on, you know, what the language is, and you want to be able to prepare ahead of time. So I did think about what is, what does the heritage mean to me? To me, it. Does not, believe it or not, even though I'm a foreign language professor, it does not have to be connected to being able to speak that target language or that language of origin. I was absolutely astonished when I heard someone, when they were speaking about equity They were talked about, you know, the kid came up to them and asked them, oh, you know, I know my last name is, I'm going to give an example, Hernandez. My last name is Hernandez, um, grandpa or dad, but I don't speak Spanish. Does that mean I am or I'm not Hispanic? And the answer was, no, you're not Hispanic because you don't speak Spanish. And my jaw dropped. I'm like, how can you define this kid's or this person's experience based on one of these little tiny labels, I would call it. I can't stand labels personally. Um, And I'm like, to me, it is how do you feel about yourself and what makes you who you are. So to me, my heritage is tied with my habits, even talking with my kids, we mostly speak English. And they say, you know, people look at us because we're light skinned, and they don't, you know, and we don't look the same as other people do in high school, if we want to belong to say the Hispanic club. And I'm like, but we don't really we're not hispanic i'm like well then what what makes what do you think makes you hispanic what do you think it is that i do that are my values that might add to this experience i can't especially with teenagers you can't necessarily like spoon feed them and give them the answer they will do the opposite <laughs> so they talk about well you know maybe it's in the food that you make maybe it's in how you handle certain situations maybe it's how you're never on time mom <laughs> <laughs> um, it's, it's, you know, how I react to certain things. Um, I don't want to go into stereotypes, but it's also, you know, the, the idea to me of family and how important family is. You drop everything for family, no matter what it is. And my family is, you know, are my second cousins, my third cousins, you know, their babies. It's like all like, Oh my gosh. You know, I'm sharing a picture of like my second cousin's little baby. And then my, my, my kids are like, well, who's that? like their family. So it's, it is how one lives and how one can connect to one's past through bringing the food, the art, the music, and not always the language, but yes, sometimes the language um, to life in the present day.
3: I think that's a really powerful response. Dr. Moreno, how about you?
4: I think uh, very similarly, right, when talking about habits, I I think for me, my heritage is everything, really. It's my identity. It's my profession. It's my recreation. It's the way I feed myself. I eat a lot of tortillas and I eat a lot of frijoles, you know. Um, It's the way that I dress, you know. Uh, All of it is kind of informed by, by my heritage. It's I can say it's my passion. And and in that regard, I'm I'm very privileged that I can immerse myself so fully on a day-to-day basis, whether it's reading about, you know, Latin American history or just listening to, you know, Mexican music, traditional Mexican music. You know, um, I I love it. Uh, And, you know, I told you that how I grew up in East LA and that was a really privileged thing. I think, you know, being taught by people who had been active in the Chicano movement, that, that informs that a lot. But but I think I also had a father who who was really active in trying to maintain his connections to Mexico. You know, uh, he would take us on these long road trips every every holiday break, uh, every Christmas break down to Jalisco, where we were from, where we'd been from since the colonial period. And, you know, as kids, we hated it because you're stuck in the car for three days with your brothers and sisters and you're listening to Selena the whole way. And you're like, I hate Selena by the time I get there but but you know that that was really good for for us for all of us in the family to maintain that connection with the language with where we're from uh and it really really kind of informed us more more so than i even thought uh, growing up now that i look back i'm like man my dad was really kind of forward thinking you know he came to the united states in a time when people were being reprimanded for speaking spanish and he didn't know how to speak good english and the the fact that he made that decision to say hey I want my kids to maintain that connection. That to me shows a lot of forward thinking, uh, kind of initiative on his part that he knew that perhaps one day this was going to be useful to them. Um, and so, um, yeah, I got to thank him, but you know, it's like, like the focus of my research. It's like, uh, Mexican fashion, you know, uh, what the charro fashion. And so I've, I've made a whole profession out of it essentially. And so I think I'm, I'm very privileged in that regard.
3: Again, such a powerful answer. Uh, I absolutely love how passionate you both
0: are about your heritage. And Nora. Yeah, so y'all were kind of talking about habits. Um, I think also celebration can play a big part of how your her- what your heritage means to you. Um, how do both of y'all personally celebrate Hispanic Latinx Heritage Month? We can start with you, Dr. Moreno.
4: How do I personally celebrate Hispanic Heritage Mark? Music and art. Music and art are really important to me. I try to check out, you know, some kind of show around town, uh, which there are plenty going on this this, this weekend, so so go out and you know, for the next month or so. Um I'll blast Vicente on the radio, believe it or not, uh when I'm when I'm, you know, doing my things and, and that always is kind of a comforting music for me. It takes me back. Vicente's from the same place in Jalisco where we're from, or was, because he passed away here in last year. Or so Vicente Fernández. So, you know, I love to watch Spanish language movies, uh, whether they be Mexican or whether they be Spanish, whether they be from Argentina. Sometimes I don't even know where they're from until I until I you know put them on and I'm like, oh, this is a different type of Spanish, you yeah. know. You know, so so yeah, I, I do a variety of things, but mainly you know immersing myself in, in the music and art. I think in, in this month is, is is really good for everybody really.
0: Yeah, thank you so much. I'm definitely gonna be checking out more things, I think, to celebrate my own Hispanic heritage. What about you, Dr. Lazo?
5: Um, this may not be a very popular answer, so you may decide to cut this and that is completely okay. <laughs> um, I celebrate um Hispanic Heritage Year. <laughs> I don't want to necessarily focus on just the month. So um, it's possibly a rogue answer in terms of, um, I guess, the DEI and belonging work and the equity work um, that has fortunately come more to the forefront over the last few years, even though this is one of the reasons why I wanted to teach back in the 80s and 90s. That it's not something that one should just dedicate a month to, it's something that we need to continue to celebrate the entire year. So, if it's you know, I teach Spanish all year round, Mm -hmm. um, I talk about what it is to be Hispanic, what it is to speak Spanish from the 21 different Spanish speaking areas, countries, islands, territories, etc., and I talk about that year round. So, that is something that I would say is my best answer is I don't dedicate just the month. I To me, I feel like, yes, I have to honor our surround surroundings in Texas and the majority of the people here that are Spanish speakers or do come from Spanish speakers or Spanish speaking areas that are closer to us. But I also need to dispel stereotypes of, you know, what are Spanish speakers? Who are Spanish speakers? I love... Um, eating a fajita every once in a while, but it doesn't mean that all Spanish speakers eat fajitas. Mm -hmm. I I teach Spanish from South America because that's where I'm from. And I have students ask me, do you make uh, burritos of Mexican food at home? So in the beginning, I thought that that was very offensive, but I'm like, well, my role here is to teach and to show people, well, You know, yes, I may go to a restaurant and enjoy this, but I make something different at home. Um, I may make arroz con pollo, arroz con camarones. We are, you know, rice based. And what is rice? Um, we have ceviche, like some restaurants have ceviche. So what is it to be, you know, Spanish speaking? Oh, you must love spicy food. And I say, I actually don't like spicy food. In fact, all of these beautiful chiles, all the varieties that you see come mostly from Mexico. We don't have that in South America. When people travel to South America, they're like, oh, my gosh, the food is bland. I'm like, oh, no, no, no. You can add your own spices to it. So it's trying to dispel some of these myths and stereotypes, but yet not wanting to offend people that are from Mexico at the same time. So, you know, you're walking this careful line of I am a Spanish speaker. I value this, but this is not what I necessarily do. So that's that's my.
0: That's my answer. <laughs> yeah, I love that. It sounds like both of y'all are really celebrating all year long, which as you mentioned is a really important thing to do. I think Jacob has a question now.
2: I have number four. What is something you wish people knew about Hispanic culture or Latinx culture, Dr. Moreno?
4: I think this. I think uh, you know, this is a perfect transition from what Dr. Lasso just said, you know, that I, I would like for people to know that, that we're not all the same. Right? That we're not monolithic racially, politically, geographically, culturally. There's so many differences. Uh, you know, we don't eat, all eat the same thing, like, like she was saying. We don't all eat spicy food. As, as Dr. Jill Biden was uncomfortably reminded recently, right? We're more than just tacos, right? <laughs> Down here in Texas. <laughs> we eat pupusas, we eat empanadas, we eat all sorts of variety of things. And, and, you know, it's unfortunate that, that really, that, that, people tend to associate uh people from Latin America with just with Mexican, like because that's their only reference, right? Um, and so I think it's really incumbent upon us who are, you know, educators, to teach people the wide variety uh that there is in Latin America, the wide varieties of identities and and peoples and cultures that we can celebrate and, and bring up to the fore uh during this month log celebration. But you're right, uh we need to expand the calendar. Uh, to celebrate these things all year round. And it's good that we have a month, right, to, to, to focus on it, but, but remember to celebrate it the entirety of the year. Um, don't, don't just let, let go once, you know, October 15th comes around because the other los muertos is just two weeks after that, right? So there's, there's tons of things for us to check out, uh, and visit, visit Latin America, man. You know, I, I tell my students, go to Latin America, you know, go to Mexico City, go to Cuba, go, go to these places that interest you, you know, and, and learn the language, learn the cultures. So yeah, we're not monolithic.
2: Very good. Now, uh, you take a swing, Dr. Lazo.
5: (laughs) I think I already did. (laughs) I think I did. Um, (laughs) I, I, when I I noticed question four, I said, I think I've already kind of taken a stab at that, Mm -hmm. um, at that answer. Um, I would say that we don't, well, that a tortilla can mean um, something different if you're in Mexico and that it can mean something different if you're in South America or Spain. That's one of my favorite um, answers to students. I say, I grew up eating tortillas, but I imagine it's not the same tortilla that you're thinking of. I love corn tortillas that you can get here. But if you order a tortilla when you travel to South America, be aware that you're going to get an omelet. If you go to Spain, it is also an omelet. So you would say... In Ecuador, I grew up eating tortilla de camarones. I grew up in Guayaquil, which is on the coast. So we have a lot of seafood. As I mentioned, camarones, shrimp several times. Um, we put it in a lot of food. We put it in the ceviche. We put it in our omelets, in the rice. It's, you know, one of our main things. I absolutely adore shrimp. And it's not those little tiny shrimp that you get at HEB or Whole Foods. It's like, I think they call it jumbo shrimp or butterfly shrimp here. So just knowing, you know, these language differences, what does it mean when you travel? And I agree 100% with Dr. Moreno, travel, see the world, experience it for yourselves. I'm very happy to say that pre-pandemic, we did have study abroad programs to uh, Mexico, Costa Rica, and Argentina. And before that, it was Spain. This year, you know, for two years we haven't been able to offer those. And then in summer 2023, we do have a study abroad of Spanish three and conversation going to Argentina. So this is an incredible way for people to be able to experience the world. And that's with Dr. Emerson. She's amazing. She also teaches an honors for healthcare class. Um, going to Coast to any of these countries: Costa Rica, Mexico, Argentina, Spain. Any place going to Mexico. The first place I personally took my kids when we got their passports, we went. Well, we went to Ecuador was the first place. The second place we went to was Mexico. Um, so those are like to, to them international travel means going to a Spanish speaking country. And then, I'm, and I'll ask them like, Do you want to go to Europe? And they're like, Like all their friends go to Europe, and they're like, No, mom, we want to go back to we want to go back to Ecuador or go to Chile or something. I'm Like, okay, then let's go ahead and do that. Uh, I think that's I think I I think I answered it.
2: (laughs) Oh, that's wonderful. Uh, Put me on a plane. I'm ready to go. And then uh, we'll uh, finish off with uh, Amber, the question.
3: I have to agree. I just want to go everywhere now. (laughs) Just experience all the culture. Well, before we finish for the day, is there anything else y'all would like to impart on our listeners? I'll go ahead and start with you, Dr. Lazo.
5: Of course, I have to say this, take a foreign language class. <laughs> I think as I'm trying to think about, you know, what does it mean to study liberal arts? What does it mean to study honors? What does it mean to be a citizen of this country, of this world? It is to me to understand another language, to be able to study it, delve into that language and the culture, the history, the art, music. Um and that will transform you. And that's what our education is about, is opening up your eyes and transforming you so that you can live a life of consequence.
3: Absolutely. And you, Dr. Moreno?
4: What I would tell, the last thing that I think I would tell is people listening to this is, you know, if, if, if you don't have access to your culture, if you want to recover your culture, you know, that that's that's a monumental undertaking for a lot of people Uh, if you want to recover your language. Um, You know, my Spanish didn't. I originally started speaking Spanish. That was what I spoke in the home. I learned English at school and English just became my dominant language over the years to the point where, like, I forgot really to a large degree how to speak Spanish. And it wasn't until I went back to grad school. And started reading old documents and, you know, watching old movies that the Spanish kind of came back to me. And it took a lot of years. It took like maybe I would want to say like eight years for me to recover a conversational kind of Spanish. So, so it's work and, um, uh, it's not easy. Um, but you know, I respect everybody who is in the process of recovering their language, um, or their culture. Um, so yeah, I, I want to encourage you all to, to do so. And and uh, just stick to it.
3: Absolutely. And you know what? We're gonna throw in one last question. Surprise question. What shows would y'all recommend to celebrate Hispanic and Latinx heritage? You can go ahead first, Dr. (laughs)
5: Reno.
4: Go ahead, Doctor Lassan. I gotta I gotta I gotta think of this one.
5: Hentified <laughs> I'm going to go ahead with that America um, uh, Ferraro? I think it's America Ferraro or Ferrero I, I forget um, she was uh, the star of Real Women Have Curves and this is one of her projects she also did an amazing podcast so I would say Hint to Fight is lots of fun um, to watch something like that Alright Dr. Moreno on the spot
4: I, I have been recommended Hentified and, and I, I, I have yet to check it out. So it's on my list. I usually don't do television programs. So that's, I'm probably not a good one to ask for television programs, but I do watch a lot of classic Spanish movies. Uh, the old black and white movies. I, I used to tell my dad when he was sitting on the couch watching like really cheesy, like narco movies. I'm like, Why do you watch that cheesy stuff? And now there I am watching that same cheesy stuff, you know? So so go back to the classics, you know, whether they be the black and white, you know, kind of movies, the uh, classics from I, the other day, I was just watching Desperado with Antonio Banderas. That's always a good one to watch. So, yeah, there's tons of movies out there. Uh, Sand and the Liver, uh, Dr. Lasso mentioned. Right. Uh, but there I mean, Edward James Olmos has such a great variety of movies, Zoot Suit. And then there's uh The Ballad of Gregorio Cortez, which I've never watched. It's on my list. So I actually have a long list of like classic movies that I just keep adding to um uh, from, from uh, Spanish language or or, Sp- or, or Latino. So, yeah, go out and check them out.
3: Well, thank you both for the recommendations and Dr. Lazo, you
5: have something to say. <laughs> I I can expand upon, if I was just picking like a Netflix show, I can definitely say anything that Gael Garcia Bernal is in is going to be fantastic. He is one of my favorite actors from Mexico. He did um y Tu Mamá También, El Crimen del Padre Amaro, which is extremely controversial. And I love showing this film to students so that we can talk about it. Access to health care, um, mental health care. Um, abortion. um, It's all very timely things that we can talk about religion, Catholicism, and you get to see the country as well. So Gael Garcia Bernal, anything with him in it. And he was even in one of my personal favorite director's films over in Spain. Um The director is Pedro Almodovar and Gael Garcia Bernal starred in Mala Educación. So this is a very interesting contrast to watch The Crime of the Father Amaro, El Crimen del Padre Amaro, in contrast with Mala Educación with um, um, Pedro Almodovar as director. That's all I wanted to add. (laughs)
4: Can I add to what you added? (laughs) Go ahead. (laughs) So I just watched uh, uh, one of his movies yesterday, or maybe it was the day before, I can't remember. Uh, Even The Rain, um, that's on Netflix currently, if you haven't seen it. Uh, it's a really good one. Uh, it, and it's really good one actually for Hispanic Heritage Month. It's, uh, it's one in which he, he's a director, uh, kind of wanting to film a, a movie about, co- uh, Columbus and Bernard Diaz del Castillo, or was it Bernard Diaz? No, uh, Casas, Casas. It was, uh, the, 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 the priest. Uh, really good because it just juxtaposes what indigenous people suffered in the past, right? But shows you how they are continuing to suffer some of these very historic wrongs. And so, if you're a, fa- a fan of 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 of, of what's his name? Gael. Gael. He has such a long name. I always forget. We're, we're on a
5: first name basis, Gael oh, okay. and
4: I. <laughs> yeah, check him out. His work is all. His body of work is really good
5: and then the film um you got me talking about film i can't help it um the film that won the um best foreign film a couple years ago was, was the mexican film roma that's another beautiful film it's a black and white film and it does um address the stratification of society and several issues if you are if you're interested in checking that one out so
3: I think Absolutely. it's a whole other
5: podcast, is you know, um, films and media.
3: <laughs> we'll have to do one sometime. Well, thank you both for being here. Um, we truly appreciate it. We really want to get to the student body with information. Thank you for inviting us. Thank you. I thought
5: my mic was, was muted. <laughs> like...
1: Thanks for listening to today's episode of the Honors Podcast. We hope that today's podcast has piqued your interest and enticed you to spend this Hispanic and Latinx heritage month celebrating rich and diverse cultures. Be sure to connect with us on Instagram at acc underscore honors program, and tell us about a Hispanic or Latinx idol that inspires you. You can also find out more about the honors program at austincc.edu slash honors. And in the meantime, don't forget to stay nerdy, stay curious, and check out the Latinx Student Union and Honor Student Organization's collaborative showing of the indigenous Latin American drama, *Birdwatchers* Watchers, Wednesday, October 12th in the Riverside Campus Auditorium and El Centro. You can RSVP at sites.austincc.edu slash SL. Thank you.
4: One thing I love about Spanish culture is, like the dances that like they do.
2: Because like, I got to admit, they have some beautiful choreography in their dances. And like, I got to admit, the mo- most things I love is mostly their outfits.
4: Because when they spin into the dances, it just looks awesome. looks wonderful. I
0: feel like in school, the most they ever really taught us, unfortunately, was just like, Cinco de Mayo. And I don't know, they never really got that deep into like, Hispanic
5: cultures there's so many different
0: cultures even if you're Mexican it's not the same for Hondurians Cubans have their different cultures it's so much to learn of so many places it's
4: crazy